following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. All right, good morning. So good to see you. Let me just take a minute to look at your faces. There's a lot of familiar people in this room, and uh, it's really great to be here with... Excellent. Um, It's great to be in a place where there is a lot of history and relationship and familiarity. Um, You know, Scott and I lived together in college, and so he and I go way back. Um, Some of you, um, you know, I've known through several different, you know, processes of establishing this community. Some of you are connected to us directly through the Water Project or through uh, through my wife with her, her business or just other relationships in common. Uh, some of us, you know, grew up together. Um, so it's, I just want to say it's so good to be in a place that's familiar in so many ways, and yet it's also exciting to look out and go, huh, I don't know you or you or you. So it's great to, to talk with you this morning and share uh, the things that are on my heart um, with people that are, you know, old and new at the same time. So I'm glad to have my family with me today. Uh, this is my wife, Christy. And our daughters, Maya, Emma, and Lydia. And uh, so if you get a chance, I think they're wonderful. Uh, at some point, you know, do yourself a, a favor and introduce yourself to them. Um, before I get into what I thought I was going to start with, um, you know, would you give me the freedom to follow something the Holy Spirit's kind of doing right now? Is that okay with you guys? Um, this is an interesting morning. Um, I was very moved by uh, the song. Uh, that was shared uh, during the, the moment of reflection about what's going on in, in Connecticut. And, um, you know, it, and obviously th- these are things that should cause us to pause and should challenge us. It should interrupt us. And um, it has been since, it, since this tragedy occurred. Um, but again, this morning, it's, it's hitting me. You know, I, I feel like the Lord's saying some things to us to consider. Um, you know, and, and out of that song that we were singing earlier about peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? We're, it was talking about the, the conflict in what we see and what we experience, right? The, there's a disparity sometimes between this idea of wishing each other peace on earth, goodwill to men, and, and yet we, we have these kinds of situations that happen on small and large scale, like what happened in Connecticut with innocent lives lost and, and families just thrown into, into havoc and chaos and grief and the rest of us sitting here wondering why. And, you know, I'm sure all of you have seen um, on social networking conversations of varying degrees of, you know, emotion and passion and, you know, confusion. And, you know, it's just, it, it stirs us, right? And, um, you know, and, and it begs the question, you know, begs the question why, <laughs> You know, it, it requires of us in our relationship with God and our relationship with our faith and our faith's relationship to the community around us to, to figure out what, what God's involvement in that, these kinds of situations is and, more importantly, what the response moving forward should be, right? And um, oddly enough, the, the scripture that came to me as I was sitting here thinking about this, being stirred by the music and just the concepts that we're thinking about, that what we've seen on television or, or heard or read is uh, from a Matthew, Matthew eleven twelve, And these are the words of Jesus. And obviously, you know, I, you know, doctrinally, we believe that all Scripture is God-inspired and inerrant, you know, those things. Um, but I, I admit, I, I do give a little bit of extra credit <laughs> to, the, to the red letters, right? <laughs> and, and I don't think that's wrong. I mean, the reality is this is something that 
that Jesus said, and, and I think it's important to recognize it, and, and it's also important because it's a little, this one's a little t- difficult. Um, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violent assault. And the violent take hold of it as a precious prize with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. So this is out of an amplified version. You know, a lot of times you, you may have heard people reference this. You know, the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You know, is often quoted. But I think there's something else that God is trying to share with us this morning. And it's the dichotomy that we suffer violent assault. And, and yet, it's saying, of the kingdom of heaven, the violent take hold of it and pursue it with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Pursue it as a precious prize. And so that's my challenge to us today as, we, as, we, as we're not okay <laughs> with situations like this. That part of our response, in addition to the, to the grief that we feel and should feel, and the compassion that we feel and should feel, is we need to resolve that the solution is in us understanding that we will and have been suffering violent assault. But in order to apprehend what we were apprehended for, in order to make kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we need to pursue that end with violence. Obviously a distinctly different violence but we need to pursue it as a precious prize and with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. You know, you think about what's precious to us. There's things we value. There's lots of things we value. We have resources. We have things that we work hard for, that we sacrifice for. We have experiences and things. But, but you know, there's nothing, more, there's nothing more precious to me than what sits over here. Do you understand? You understand, right? When we talk about what's really precious, it's the people, right? It's our people. It's our family. It's the people we hold precious. Holy Spirit, give us a perspective that when you say we need to pursue the kingdom of heaven, you know, just like we say the church is not this building, but it's you. The kingdom of heaven is not a place. You know, it's, it's the people. It's us and it's them. It's those that are not yet in this place in, this re- in terms of relationship, right? That's who's precious. So to pursue a precious prize, to have a heart for the lost, for whether it's lost people that don't know Christ personally, or whether it's people lost in loneliness, not in community, whether it's people, families that are lost in the grief of an unexpected tragedy. Precious. So, so just receive that challenge, that this is part of our response that needs to be part of our response is we have, we've been given, you know, the, the exert, exhortation and the challenge to lay hold of our jurisdiction, right? All authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ who then also gave it to us, right? He came to reconcile all things, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation, to bring things into right relationship. To stop suffering. To have a relevant, viable solution to suffering in this world. And we need to lay hold of that. 
with the, the same extreme passion that, that balances out, and more than balances out, outweighs the darkness and the evil in this world. Can we receive that today? All right. Give me a minute here. Let me just pray over that, and then we'll move on to what I actually thought I was going to talk about. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are king, and we thank you for your authority, and we thank you that you hold all things together. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are real and you are active. And at at moments like these, you are speaking to us. And at all times, you're speaking to us. And we thank you that that where we clearly don't have the answers, you you are speaking and you are moving and you are active. And, And we just thank you for the encouragement and the comfort and the challenge today. And, uh, and what was just shared. And we, I just pray that you would help us to all navigate through um, the process of this grief that we feel for people, the compassion we feel, and end up in the place of, of action where we are valuing what you value and pursuing what you want us to pursue, that your kingdom would come. Amen. All right. So my name is James Harrington. I'm the director of the Ugandan Water Project. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to share uh, a little brief update about uh, who we are and what we do and, and how you guys have been involved. Um, the Ugandan Water Project is a, uh, we're local, we're a nonprofit organization that um, works with sponsors here in the U.S. and uh, communities in Uganda to provide uh, drinking water resources and other things like that, uh, other develop, healthy development, um, appropriate technology and things to communities in Uganda. And... Um, why you, let's see, what's next? Oh, yeah. Yeah, why Uganda? Um, I forget what uh, slides I put in here. Um, you know, relationship. I mean, what it says here is, uh, you know, meeting one guy basically, you know, turned my life upside down and uh, really established our core value, which is relationship. So the guy on that side is our field director, uh, Pastor George Samba. He's been here. Some of you remember him speaking. Uh, gosh, it's been a while, but uh, he stood up here and uh, was able to come and, and be with you guys. And meeting him uh, was a context of relationship that really transformed the direction of what my life is accomplishing and doing outside of my family. And um, really has just been a context through which God has really changed me and, uh, and helped me to, you know, serve, you know, to the best of my ability to serve, you know, God's purpose on the church. So bringing practical resources in the context of relationship. But also the relationship with Christ has been... You know, in a much more significant way, that one relationship has also transformed us. And so we're working in Uganda because of the people that we've met there and the people that we're in real active relationship with. You know, these are people who's, who, you know, are in our hearts and have been in our homes and we, we're in their lives. And, you know, we're, it's more than just people on Facebook, right? Um, so why water? We do water for a lot of reasons, but, you know, because water is life. You know, and if you understand anything about the water crisis in this world, um, you understand that your poverty floats on dirty water. You know, that, that concept of without clean water, nothing works. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, clean water is falling from the sky. <laughs> so we focus a lot in Uganda on rainwater collection. And we do that because it is simple, <laughs> it's sustainable, it's effective. And uh, we do it in relationship to local churches and Christian schools. Um, we do it with uh, other community buildings like orphanages and clinics. Uh, we also do it 
through the local church into secular places or, or places like we've done some things with Muslim schools or in Muslim communities as well. But it's all in relationship to the local church, bringing practical resources, meeting spiritual needs that are tangible, right? And, uh, and we find that it's a very fast, effective way to make a, a deep impact in the need for clean water. Uh, you, as you can see from the illustration, you know, it's, uh, you know, the rain falls on the roof. We install gutter systems and, and uh, a big rainwater tank. Uh, and something that size, about 10,000 liters or 2,500 gallons, can provide a drinking water resource for about 400 people. And uh, it's, it's been fantastic. And uh, we've seen a lot of uh, impact so far as we've been doing this. We've, we've currently uh, got 91 rainwater collection tanks funded. Um, you know, that's it's just amazing to see because it's all through private funding. It's all through people like you making a decision. Uh, everything from uh, public schools and college groups to churches to individual families that have made a decision to do this. Uh, obviously, you know, within the faith community, we, we have a, a lot of anchoring relationships and impact, but also going into secular environments and talking about, you know, the values that drive us and the response. It's been great. You know, we've seen all these communities impacted. That's about 35,000 people uh, in Uganda that have access to clean water because of decisions that were made like the decisions you guys have made. Our goal, actually, um, that we've been chasing this year is to hit 100 of those (laughs) tanks by the end of December. And so we're within striking distance. You know, it seems, you know, when you go, wow, you need nine more and you've got, you know, half a month left, right? We've got two weeks. Well, so what? We can do this. You know, um, the reality is it's, it's certainly possible. And in fact, you guys are part of that solution. There's a, you know, there's a number of communities, a number of uh, families and things like that that are, are, you know, trying to pursue this, that are challenging themselves. And so we've got faith, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, join us in prayer and, and join us in, in the way that you guys get involved here to hit that mark. Um, you know, and the reality is no matter what happens between now and then, we're going for it, right? Uh, so, yeah. What's the next one? Let's see. And you guys have been involved. You know, like I said, there's history here. You know, uh, Artisan has uh, been part of uh, funding three of these projects, two of them exclusively, one with a, uh, a matching grant that you provided to Tonawanda High School out in Buffalo. Um, and, and so, you know, we've talked about some of this before. You've seen some of these pictures. Uh, I'll show a couple more here just to refresh you if you're not familiar with it. But you've, you've put uh, water tanks in Katongale, Kasuba, and Kasokaso. Uh, you've had people from here get on an airplane with us. You know, Liz Irvine, uh, you know, she's, she's been very involved with us in a lot of different ways through her work, obviously through her, uh, her connection to Artisan. She's been over there with us twice. Uh, Mel Muscarello was able to go with us as well. Uh, so you've, you've put boots on the ground. And, uh, and I keep dangling, dangling this in front of Scott as well. I'm determined to get him over there and get him a good case of food poisoning at some time or another. You can pray for that. No, just kidding. I'll take good care of him. Um, unless you're really thinking, no, no, no just kidding. Um, and then support provided. You, there's some of you that have chosen to partner with us monthly, and that's been fantastic. Um, Katongale, you know, here's a couple of these. We can just roll through them quick. It's fine. Uh, you know, where this place is really remote, way out in Mitiana District, takes a long time to get there, a really rough, bumpy ride, great people. And uh, they were so grateful for this that uh, the pastor gave me a goat. Um, <laughs> And that's a really generous gift. Uh, we've been given chickens many times, but uh, this guy gave us a goat when we went out to first uh, visit that site. Uh, I was able to go out there again not that long ago and, and see uh, Pastor Nathan and his wife again. And, uh, you know, that's, I don't really know what to do when someone gives me livestock. It's one of those things you're like, thank you. 
I don't have one of these. <laughs> um, but it, just a fantastic, uh, generous response that really is a response not to me, but it's a response to you and your decisions. So congratulations, you've been given a goat. Um, Kasuba is a, a, really a phenomenal place. It's way up on a hill overlooking um, miles and miles of sugar cane. I mean, it's like a maze driving up there, and it's way up on a hill. Everything had to be handled, handed up there by, carried up there by hand because you literally, it's so steep, you can't, you know, here's Liz at the bottom of the hill. It's so steep, the road's there, that you just drive until your vehicle can't go anymore, and then you get out and you walk. And, um, you know, breathtaking. And what, what's exciting is our, we had a team there in October, and this photo is from October. Uh, this is a school building. They have a church and a school there. And as you can see, there, there's buildings for the school. These two images are very, uh, you can hold on this one for a moment, um, very temporary. You know, the, they've got a, a metal roof, which is great, but the, the walls are just, you know, mashed together with uh, poles and mud. And uh, depending on what time of year you go there, you know, they're, they're constantly, like, putting more mud, you know, on there because it falls off when it rains and stuff like that. And because of the location, it's way up on a hill. Uh, during the rainy season, it gets very muddy in the school, and so they resurface it with whatever's available, which happens to be dung. <laughs> so they tend to use cow dung to resurface the floor. So literally in the rainy season... The kids are sitting in, you know, cow dung, wet cow dung. And uh, what's great, and I know that you would value knowing this because you've got an investment in this place, is you can go to the next slide. The, uh, the team that was just there in October helped to uh, make a difference by providing cement floors for that community. And uh, so what's exciting is you guys are involved, but you're not alone. You know, there's, there's, we, when we do take teams there, we have resources that we're collecting throughout the, the year that we can then see the need on site in the context of being face-to-face and go, what, what do we really need to make a difference here that's going to have a lasting impact and turn the volume up on what's going right in this community? And this school is definitely one of those things. So, yeah, you can keep going, Elliot. And, um, and so... Just exciting to see what's going on there in, in Kasuba. Pastor Jonathan's a really great guy. Um, you know, he also gave us a chicken at one point, so now you're up to a goat and chicken. You know, you know I, I don't know whatever happened to either of those, but I'm sure somebody enjoyed them. Um, but it was, it was all for you, really. Kasokaso, uh, this is uh, the name of the place literally means on the backside of the hill. And it's kind of a, uh, it's not a slum, but it's a very poor area. And, uh, you know, in this area that... Uh, really is kind of forgotten. That's the, the essence of that name on the backside of, of the, the hill, kind of like, you know, something where people don't really go and that kind of thing. It's on the, the other side of the hill is the capital city of Kampala. But, and it's amazing to see the distinction between, you know, what's on one side and what's on the other. Not that Kampala is some, like, shiny metropolis, but there is power there. There is piped water available there. But you cross over to the other side of the hill, and it's, you know, this is the, the local water supply. You know, it's a drainage ditch. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just disgusting. And in this place, uh, there's this lady that uh, my friend Collins, it's his mother, and uh, she's a real uh, pioneer, and, and she was able to start this school. Uh, it's called God's, what is it? Uh, I think it's on the next slide. It's like God's Mercy Infant School or something like God's Glory Infant School, I think is what it is. And, uh, and just is so committed to the children here. I mean, a very poor area. And, and, you know, bringing water into this place has made such a profound impact on the quality of life for the students and, you know, also the people that live around there. And, and this was the site that you guys uh, did 
this co-op with Tonawanda, where basically the students at Tonawanda High School uh, were able to raise half the money for a project. And when you guys did that uh, project during Lent, where you said, hey, let's, instead of buying, you know, you know $5 lattes or, or pints at the pub, you know, we're going to put our money together and we're just going to drink water for Lent and that money's going to go towards something. And this is what it went to. So good job. Um, what's next? Let's see. And then, you, like I said, you had boots on the ground. <laughs> I was real bummed that Mel wasn't here today, um, but great to see Liz. And um, we actually, this is a couple shots from when we sent them down. A, stick to this for a second. Um, they actually got a chance to go rafting on the Nile for about an hour. You know, one of those things where we're like, we don't spend a lot of time doing fun stuff, you know, like recreational fun stuff. Um, but we had this opportunity to send them through class five and six rapids. And um, usually that's a full day where they like, you know, get trained, and then they go through some twos and threes, and they work their way up to the class five and six um, at Bujigali Rapids, and I mean, the world-class whitewater, and uh, I did some fast talking to the guys there, and I said, what if we just want to put in right above the worst part, and go through it, and then get out, you know, and it would take a lot less time, and a lot less money, and, and, um, and so Mel was concerned about her glasses, and I had a great idea of how to keep her glasses on, you can tell from her, you can move past this now, I'm sure she doesn't like that picture. Uh, but you can tell that uh, she definitely was not impressed with my mechanism. You know, I'm no engineer, but I thought that was a pretty good solution. In fact, I had a second rubber band I was going to put on, and do like the X, you know. But yeah, they, they had a great time. They did a lot of other amazing things that you've probably seen from the photos that they've shared in the past. But, you know, I thought I'd share these because they probably don't have these. But just a great time with Liz, Liz and Mel um, being over there in relationship to people, making an impact in the way that, you know, they're so relational, they're so personal in the way they connect with people, and uh, that was fantastic. Let's see, what's next? New stuff, yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of great, exciting things happening. Um, in addition to the 700 uh, sites that are on our short list that need water, um, we're also trying to improve the way we provide that. Um, and one of the things that we're introducing is uh, starting to work with Sawyer uh, products, which is, uh, they manufacture a lot of things. One of them is the Sawyer 0.1 water filter. Um, we had a chance to uh, actually support the work of a couple other organizations after Hurricane Sandy. And I got a call on a late Friday night saying, hey, can you fly to Haiti on Thursday? And uh, <laughs> I consulted with my, with my committee that, uh, you know, makes sure that I don't do anything too crazy. My wife heads that committee. Um, and we really felt the Lord was in that, and, and uh, it was a good opportunity to add our, you know, organizational intelligence and experience to some things, and we're able to go in and provide some small rainwater systems to communities up in the mountains, um, and in a couple places hit really hard with, uh, they were seeing cholera and things like that after the hurricane came through there. And one of the big things we began to introduce there was combining these Sawyer 0.1 water filters with our rainwater systems. Now, rainwater is a great solution for drinking, but the reality is we can still make it better. And these little deals here, if there's water coming through it, it exceeds the EPA standards for drinking water in the United States. I mean, the reality is it's cleaner than what's coming out of your tap. And we can do this for, you know, basically about 65, 50 to 65 bucks, and it can handle a million gallons and last about 10 years. So you combine that with our rainwater systems, and this is great. You know, so we're looking at different ways, you know, talking directly with Sawyer about um, how to distribute these in, in Uganda, how to 
educate people. Um, our teams are going to play a big role in this for people that do come with us because it's really simple to train people on how to use them. And, I mean, you see, I mean, this is, has anybody done any, uh, you know, had any exposure to, like, biosand filters in the past or any projects that you're familiar with that? Anyone? Yeah, well, they weigh about, you know, 300 pounds and are really hard to, you know, transport all, the, all that stuff. What's great is, you know, uh, David Pearson from iThirst, um, he and I were the, the two-man team for this, and, uh, you know, we threw a bunch of these into a carry-on and got on a plane. And so this is something we're super excited about uh, integrating. Uh, I leave January 6th for another trip to Uganda, and we're going to begin to, uh, you know, put some of these on some of our wa rainwater tanks. We're talking to people that have sponsored projects in the past saying, hey, you, you can bump things up in terms of impact in a very, with a very small amount of money and make a huge impact. The great thing is you can also install these on a bucket. You know, there's a whole bucket filter thing where it just, you know, any kind of a bucket that you fill water with. I mean, I've literally taken water from the drainage ditch in the streets of Port-au-Prince, run it through this, and drank it. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. You know, and it can do about two to 300 gallons a day. It's fantastic. So excited about some of the, you know, these are appropriate technology, exciting things. You know, a lot of the folks at Sawyer are believers, you know. We're seeing relationship with the Lord producing ideas that stop suffering. You know, so it's not just on the, hey, what do we do with it? It's also on the, hey, maybe you're one idea away from making a huge impact in this world. So that's the, the real quick, like, flash of information of, hey, this is who we are, what we've been doing, and what we're excited about moving forward. Uh, you know, I'd love to talk more, but we got some sermon to preach, right? Um, but we're going to be back at our table later. You know, if you want to know more about what we're doing, uh, there's ways that you can be involved. You know, obviously, we always need more financing and funding. It goes into some really efficient and effective impacts. You know, we, uh, we're a small, lean, mean, uh, conservative organization that we operate on 10% of our, our income, so our, the administrative cost never exceeds 10%. That's a great way to, to do things. We think it's a real standard of excellence. Uh, you know, we're always looking for people to sponsor new water projects. You're obviously involved in that as a church, but maybe your business, maybe your family, uh, maybe some other group that you're part of can do that, consider that. Monthly support is a huge way to be involved in everything you do. You want to amplify your dollars. You know, you want to make a choice that really gives more. That's one of the things we're talking about. You know, you can be part of doing 40 or 50 water projects next year simply by being a monthly supporter. So think about that. It's a great way to be involved. If you're not already supporting overseas missions work in some way or you, you don't know what to do to be active in some of these values you have, that's a great way. Um, we can, we'd love to have your time as well, volunteering at some of our local events or we've got projects in our office that sometimes need regular help or sometimes just one time. And then also, you know, get on an airplane. They've got lots of seats on those airplanes. Maybe there's one for you. You know, we've got a team leaving, like I said, in January, but our next one is in May. And there is availability on that. You know, you can apply for a position on that team and, and uh, we can talk to you more about that. Also, we've got a team going in August, you know, talk to us. We'd love to, we'd love to have some more f folks from this church um, on an airplane with us, going there and seeing for yourself, meeting the people that are there. And then also, you know, your contacts. Who you're connected to is a tremendous resource that you can mobilize to say, maybe I know people that should be involved. Maybe there's a place, you know, there's a school that I teach at that you should come and do a presentation. Maybe there's, you know, friends in my neighborhood that I'd love to have you know, over for, you know, dinner, and we can talk about these things as a way of taking your values and driving them down into the relationships in your life. So considering those ways of, you know, consider those ways of how you can be involved, and if something connects, let's talk about it and move forward with it. All right. Next. Yeah. 
And of course, we're online. You know, hit our website, check that out. We're on Facebook. You know, we'd love to interact. Pass this along to whoever you think might be interested. All right. If you have your Bibles, let's talk about this is week three of the Advent Conspiracy. So it's interesting to me because I think two years ago I came and I spoke on the same week of the series on Give More. You know, and of course, it's great. You know, I'm thinking, you know, Scott's not even here today, right? So he's up in Maine, you know, hanging out with family and having a good time and early Christmas. And, you know, the first week of, of Advent Conspiracy, what was the theme? Worship fully. And so what kind of things did you guys talk about that week? Worshiping, fully worshiping. That's right. Uh, care to elaborate on that a little bit, perhaps? Worship fully. So what, what, kind of, what stuck with you from that? What does it mean to worship fully? Excellent. What's an example of how you can like, uh, be, take worship and drive that a little deeper into your everyday life? Anything that stuck with you? Were you guys not, all not there on that Sunday? No? Okay, you, you get a bye because you weren't there. Was there an illustration or a story perhaps that Scott told or anything? All right, moving on. I really expected that to go different. Um, <laughs> Week two. <laughs> what was the theme for week two? Uh, now, now I'm really nervous because I, I have no idea how this is going to go. You guys, I know you're sharp people because you just you, you dress smart and you're, mo- many of you are here on time. But, uh, spend less. Okay, so talk, <laughs> this is a little more practical. So we can go. What kinds of things did you talk about with, on the week of spend less? And don't say do less spending. Gift cards are stupid. What's that? Uh, buy less gift cards. Don't do placeholder gifts, that kind of things. Yeah. Give more, uh, relational, gifts. relational gifts. Excellent, excellent. Spend less. What's that? Make them. Yeah, making things. Excellent. So, you know, obviously this is, a, this is an excellent progression, the things that it's challenging us to do. Um, I can't help but notice that those are fun things to talk about. Um, you know, challenging us to re-examine our lives, and but uh, but Scott has conveniently handed off to me the part where I talk about give more, right? Um, so that's interesting. So hopefully he's not trying to just you know pass off the all right. Now you you hit that part, James, and I'll come back in and and, and mop up with the with the fun ending of what's the final one? It's uh, love all, right? Yes. But I'm I'm excited to challenge us all to consider how we can give more. Uh, I decided to uh, stick with within the context of the liturgy that you guys use and uh, look at some of the, the passages that were up for this week for, for your liturgy. And I chose, uh, among the options, the wonderful, encouraging passage from Luke 3, where it starts with calling us all a brood of vipers and ends with um, unquenchable fire. Merry Christmas. Um, so, yeah, the reference is up there. Luke chapter 3, 7 to uh, 17. Or is it 7 to 17 or 7 to 18? 7 to 18. All right. Looks like I only clipped out to 17. So I ended with unquenchable fire. Um, let, me get, let me read this. Then he said to the multitudes, this is uh, John the Baptist speaking, that, that came out to be baptized, brood of vipers... Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit 
worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? And he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors came also to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, and I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So again, I stopped at 17. So, We've got three audiences that he's kind of talking to here, uh, responding to specifically. But, but if you look at the beginning, I mean, he starts out pretty strong and aggressive, right? You brood of vipers. So who, who just got labeled brood of vipers? Go ahead, speak out. I'm very interactive. The people coming to get baptized. Wait, aren't those the good guys? Like, they, they're coming to get baptized, right? So... Don't we do most of our vicious name-calling to the religious leaders in the Bible, right? Or, or people from other countries? <laughs> For, foreigners, and, foreigners and religious nuts, right? That's who we usually call names in the Bible. But this is like those that are saying, yes, I'm here to take the next step forward in my faith. And he's saying, you brood of vipers, right? So what's going on there? I mean, why, is he, why do you think he's coming out so aggressively about this? Well, one of the challenges is he's talking about saying, you know, don't, don't assume that just because you're, you're, you know, descended from Abraham that you're okay, you know, that and basically he's challenging them in, in the context of a culture that was very religious, you know, lots of do's and don'ts, lots of lists and rules and boundaries, and here was something else that was kind of the popular thing to do. Oh, yeah, people are going out and getting baptized, and so people are showing up to be baptized, and he's saying... Don't do this if you're going to do this the same way you've done things in the past. You know, this is not, you know, he was preparing the way, right? He was preparing the way for Christ to come. And, and a big part of that transition was introducing the concept that this is not a gospel of do. This is a gospel of be, right? I'll make some, I would make some cheesy joke about us being human beings instead of human doings, but that would be really lame. Um, so I won't do that at all. So he's, he's talking to them about this idea that don't just show up because of who your parents and grandparents are and who the fact that you're Jews and, and there's Gentiles out there somewhere that are all horrible people, that this has to have some, some greater significance or else, you know, not, you know, what is that idea? You know, you're a snake. Not just a snake, but you're a poisonous, venomous snake that other people should flee from lest you kill them, Right? So it introduces the idea that conceptually, you know, you're the kind of people that potentially could be delivering death to, to those around you. This is a pretty heavy concept. These are the people that are showing up to get baptized. 
I don't know what baptism class is like here, but it was a little, you know, more mellow when I went through that. So, you know, it just really grabs your attention. Okay, what is he talking about? And he goes right into saying, you know, the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and everything that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So he's talking about fruit, right? And this is great, because when we're dealing with fruit, we're talking about things that can be harvested, things that, have, that should nourish us, that should be good to eat, consume, tangible, right? Something that can be removed from the source and accomplish something externally, right? So, you know, we don't, we don't, when we want an apple, we don't go to the orchard and eat while it's still on the branch, right? You know, we either pick it or more likely we go to Wegmans, right? And, or, you know, I know you guys do your big apple thing in the fall and that's cool and all. Um, <laughs> So, or we collectively set a date on the calendar and all show up at an orchard, right? Um, and, and, but that idea is you don't have to go to the thing that produced it because it produced something that can bring benefit elsewhere. So, you know, th- that's an important understanding to, to really understand the nature of fruit. And, and so then he, he breaks this down for us into, uh, you know, three different specific areas and th- three different uh, representative audiences. So we've got... Uh, it seems like a, a general address to those who have tunics and food. So, I don't know what's on your Christmas list, but is anybody asking for a new tunic? Does anybody have an old tunic? Are, is this a tunic-wearing group? No? Okay, that's, that's good, because I have no idea what a tunic is, really. Some of you probably do. You're uh, very intelligent. A, a shirt, yes. A, I assume it's like one of those puffier-than-normal shirts, though, right? somebody's Googling that right now on their phone, looking up images of tunics. It's probably more interesting than some of the things I'm saying. That's okay. So he who has a tunic, let him give to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. So here's a situation where that pretty much is universal. You know, people that, you know, basically, if you eat and wear clothes, I'm talking to you, right? That's just one category below, more specific than people with skin. So he's not talking to starving naked people. Right? I mean, that's... I've been... Play, I mean, I, we could laugh at that, you know, because I, we're, none of us are starving or naked currently. Um, but on a much more sober note, I've been places where there, people are starving and people are naked. You know, you walk around like, you know, little brown buns are really cute. You know, when you're driving around the village, you go, oh, look at the little kid, you know? He's a little toddler walking around. You're like, you know, it is kind of cute, right? Um, but when you stop to realize, oh, wait, he isn't wearing, you know, pants because he doesn't have pants. That changes things, right? So he's not talking to people in that situation. He's talking to those of us who have food and who have clothes. That includes all of us this morning. Um, you know, and, and then he, he goes on to address, um, you know, he challenges people, you know, if you have an extra shirt, you should give to someone who doesn't have it. And if you have extra food, you should give to someone who doesn't have it. Now, that's interesting because what they're talking about is something that could easily be justified that there's a good reason to save that for another day, right? I mean, I have more than one shirt because this shirt will get dirty. Some days I have dirtier days than others, right? We all, I had one recently where I'm like, I am just spilling stuff all over me. I feel just like a slob today, you know? Sometimes we have, you know, how many of you guys have little babies? 
You guys, when I first started coming and hanging out with you guys, it was all like young 20-somethings and 30-somethings and a few other people mixed in. And now, like, you guys are reproducing and you're having children. And so, do you ever have one of those really messy child days where, you know, like, liquids are coming out of your child from everywhere and it's getting all over you, right? So, so I, we have extra clothes for a good reason, right? And, and likewise, I don't, you know, I don't just go out one day at a time and say, all right, well, I'm going to go out to the store and I'm going to buy what we're going to eat today. You know, and nothing else, in, you know, in the cupboard or the fridge, right? We have, you know, food because I expect to feed my family every day, right? And, and occasionally, you know, friends over and things like that. And, you know, we want to have food. I do need food. I need to eat food regularly or else I'll die, right? So it's not bad, but it's addressing people about things that they could easily justify have a, a reasonable and responsible benefit to them to hold on to it. But it's challenging us in that place to say, hey, are you doing something to address the reality that there's people that don't have that? That literally, we talk about living, you know, hand to mouth, but it isn't really hand to mouth. We tend to live month to month in our culture, even when, even when things are ch- tough. There's, certainly there's people here that live week to week in our community, maybe even some of us. I know I've been there. You know, but, but this is talking about people that really don't have anything. They're, they're in this world. They're easier to find than we realize. You don't have to go to Uganda to find it. You know. You guys live in this city. You know that they're here. You know they're you know, not just down in the tunnels either. It's a little easier to find than even that. There's people in our neighborhoods that are really struggling. And so there's a challenge to us. What should we do? What do we have that's in our hands that really could address a need for somebody else? Do we trust the Lord to provide for us? Give us this day our daily bread. Right? Daily? Do I really mean daily? I'm much more comfortable saying, give us this day my monthly bread. I'd like to have the bread for all months, please. But when Jesus, the red letters didn't say, here's... Here's one option for how you, how you can pray. Now, we, we're not religious, and we, you know, the only valid prayer is those words. We know that. But the model of what's being said there is, trust me for your daily provision. Do you think that one of the reasons that we're taught in that way is because perhaps there's something that we need to give up that we probably need tomorrow? <laughs> I would say, yeah, there's definitely those situations. I realize we're short on time, so I'm going to zip. Ready? Um, next, he talks to the tax collectors and the soldiers. And what's unique about those is they're both, you know, the, the tax collectors are being challenged to, to give more in terms of honesty and integrity in a situation where they didn't have a lot of external accountability. You know, they basically were hired by the Roman government to go out and collect taxes. And basically, as long as you gave Caesar his cut, he didn't care how you did it, Right? So there was an external accountability. So where in your lives is it, again, a situation where you're called to produce different fruit, to give more in terms of more honesty and, and integrity in a situation where there isn't that, you know, accountability externally? It's what's going on in you. Where is your relationship with the Lord at? What is the Holy Spirit challenging you to do? What is right or wrong? What do you know? And then that last group is soldiers. The soldiers in those days, all right, first of all, now we're talking about Romans, right? These are Roman soldiers. These are Gentiles. These are not, these are not Jewish people. And yet they're coming to be baptized, an interesting concept in and of itself. But they were quartered in people's homes. They had authority to, to basically be jerks, 
you know, in people's homes, and, and part of their whole persona was domination, right? And yet, the challenge is to be in a place of gratitude and humility, in a place where they actually had the authority and jurisdiction to lord it over other people. So they had the option, and they're saying, don't exercise it. So when we're talking about to this week, as we wrap this up, we're talking about giving more. It's not just giving more at Christmas, right? We're saying, you know, we, we want to live every day as if Jesus came, you know, because he did come as a, as a baby, was born into this world in the flesh. So we, we want to live celebrating Christmas every day of the year, right? So the meaning that you guys are pursuing with the Advent conspiracy and the fact that you've done this several years in a row because you're saying, we really believe in this and we need to drive this deeper into our culture and into our lives on Monday and Tuesday, not just on the Sundays for four weeks during Christmas. You're saying that you've expressed this, com- this commitment to understand these things every day of your lives. So as you're looking, give more. Yes, it means give more of your resources. Give more of your finances. Trust the Lord for tomorrow. I know it's hard to say that in a big Dave Ramsey crowd, but I'm telling you, that's part of it. Trust. Trust him. It, you know, I'm not saying you know, be irresponsible, but be faith-filled and faith-led. Go out on a limb. Your time, your energy, all the resources you have, your hospitality. Give more in terms of your... Give in a, you know, invest in your own freedom. Recognize that by you finding that way of saying, not because I have to or because somebody's watching, but saying, I have the opportunity to make this more authentic, to make this more genuine. Rise to that challenge and recognize it's going to look like something. Fruit. It should be measurable, tangible, visible, relational. It should be disconnected from you in some way and providing benefit. Does that make sense? All right. That's a lot to think about. Let me pray, and then I'll hand off to whoever I'm handing off to. I'm handing off to Liz, right? Okay. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the time today, this morning. We've covered a lot of ground. You're, again, you're just living and active. You're speaking to us through your word. You're living and active word that's, that's able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart and separate bone and marrow. And uh, we just thank you for, for what it's doing in us. And Lord, we desire to give more not just for this Christmas, but for our lives. We want to give more. And we thank you that we have opportunities to bear fruit, bear fruit in our families, bear fruit in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, bear fruit in things like the Ugandan Water Project. And Lord, I ask that you'd help us all to examine ourselves and understand how, out of that relationship with you, we're supposed to give more in practical, felt ways, in things that have meaning and add meaning to the relationships in our lives. And I just commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we know that uh, as we've been doing this, we're raising money for the, um, the water project. And we want to see if we can fund a tank. And so Scott asked me to... There we go. Um, we have our, our tank here. We have raised to date uh, $2,100. You can see our raindrops have considerably filled our tank more than it was before. And if you're interested in giving to this and, and being a part of this, um, then we're going to put this over here on our easel, and you are welcome to come up and take a $25 card off, more than one, if you feel led to do so. And uh, 
then when this is all the way full, this will be $3,500, which is the cost for the tank. Um, and the ways that you can give are you can um, put it in an envelope and say for Advent Conspiracy or water, or you can write a check and put it in the memo, or you can give online at artisan.com slash giving, and there's a drop-down menu for the Advent Conspiracy. But what we want to do and what Scott's been challenging us to do as a community is out of the relationship that we have with the water project, out of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, is to give and help provide this water for people that we've been hearing about. And, and it's very clear that we have a relationship. We've, we've had James come speak a number of times, um, and I know that the relationships that I have with you guys, uh, I get to hear a lot about how you guys care about this too, just because... I get really excited and talk about it a lot. <laughs> and so you have to listen and you guys reply and, and tell me about how the relationships that are in your lives um, are also part of this. Because I know that this artisan's community, um, as we give to this, is bigger than just the people in this room and the people who come here, um, which is really exciting. So uh, we are going to continue in our service we um, expressing our relationship with Christ. So we have our communion table and in a very appropriate response to hearing the word that God is, that has given us today um, is to come and to have communion. This table is not just for uh, anyone who is a, a member. There's no membership required. It's for all Christians. So you're welcome to come up and um, take a piece of bread and dip it in the wine or the juice, whichever is appropriate for you and your family. And um, if you feel led, you can take one of these cards, or we're going to have some prayer team members over there if you want to pray on your own or if you would like someone to pray with you. And uh, so let's pray for communion. We give thanks, loving God, that you have refreshed us at your table. Strengthen our faith, increase our love for one another, as we have been fed by the seed that became grain and became bread. May we go out into the world to plant seeds of justice, transformation, and hope. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.